This is a Reconstruction Radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com slash freebooks for a PDF download of this book and for many other great Christian books. Backward Christian Soldiers, an Action Manual for Christian Reconstruction by Gary North, copyright 1984, published by Institute for Christian Economics, narrated by Alan Bailey. Chapter 7. Capturing the Robes The very same people who have the, who the fundamentalists regard as followers of Satan have set up the accreditation system, and the fundamentalist leaders have rushed to submit themselves to them in order to get their certificates of academic acceptability. Robes are a symbol of authority in the West. The man who wears a robe as part of his profession has been invested with a degree of formal authority that other men do not possess. In the West, four groups wear robes. Judges, university professors, ordained ministers, and church choirs. High school graduates and college students wear their robes once and and usually rent them. University professors are entitled to wear robes at special formal university affairs, and some, though probably very few, buy them. Only judges and ministers in the pulpit normally wear robes. Choirs also wear them as agents of the church. At the turn of the century, political and conspiratorial elites began a long-term program to capture the robes of American culture. They recognized the importance of judges, professors, and ministers. I remember hearing a speech by a former communist, Karl Prussian, in 1964, in which he told of the assignment he received from the party. He became a theology student at Union Theological Seminary in New York. The party knew what it was doing. The conservatives have not known what they were doing. Left-wing theologians. This world is a new scholarly journal published by the American Enterprise Institute. Its perspective is that of the neoconservative movement, that is, men who are no longer convinced concerning the wisdom of federal intervention into the economy, hostile to pacifism, and conservative on social issues like abortion. The summer 1982 issue presented the results of a remarkable opinion poll conducted by the Roper Organization. It surveyed the political and economic opinions of 1,112 seminary professors. Over half of the 2,000 professors originally contacted responded by giving answers to over 200 questions. The results are worse than we might have imagined. The professors as a group are self-consciously left of center. As Ladd and Faree summarize the data, those who teach in schools of religion, remember these are seminary professors, Those who teach in schools of religion and theology resemble fairly closely a larger community of academic humanists 
of which they are a part. Page 84. On questions of marriage and abortion, they are conservative, but not on politics and economics. Michael Novak writes, Would you have guessed that, of all professors at all the Bible colleges, divinity schools, and seminaries in all 50 states, only 17% would call themselves Republicans? Question 42. Meanwhile, 62% call themselves either Democrats, 30%, or Independent, closer to Democrats, 32%. Only 7% are pure Independents. These figures explain help explain how 56% voted for McGovern over Nixon, 34%. 66% for Carter over Ford, 28%, and 52% for Carter over Reagan, 30%, and Anderson, 11%. From page 102. 80% think the competition between the U.S. and the USSR, Soviet Russia, is fundamentally a struggle in power politics, only 20% fundamentally a moral struggle, Page 103, 70% think U.S. multinational corporations hurt poor countries in the third world. 30% think they help. Question 104, 30% think the U.S. treats third world countries fairly. 70% unfairly. Question 105, are these all theological liberals? While only 27% believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, 64% claim it is infallible in matters of faith and morals. Some 59% say that they have had a born-again experience. Half claim they experience a special closeness to God daily. Page 105. These are people, in other words, who for the most part would be considered theological brothers by the editors of Christianity Today, Eternity, Christian Life, and virtually all of the non-denominational magazines of America. Three-quarters of these professors think the moral majority is politically and religiously harmful. Page 105 and 6. Ladd and Faree make an interesting comparison between prestige universities and liberalism and between liberalism and the Ph.D. In various publications, including the Divided Academy, Ladd and Lipset demonstrated that within academe, confounding a class theory of politics, the top is more liberal than the bottom. When one arrays faculty, for example, by the intellectual standing of the college or university at which they teach, one finds that with every step up the institution, quality hierarchy, there is a greater measure of faculty liberalism. Similarly, within any type of university or college, professors with greater academic attainments, measured, for example, in terms of levels of scholarly publication, are consistently more liberal than their less attaining colleagues. One sees reflections of this signal relationship 
in the political orientations of groups with the theological faculty. Those whose careers emphasize those whose career emphasis has been nearest the academic and scholarly emphasis of the mainstream American professor, professorial community appear consistently more liberal in socio-political outlook than those less involved in conventional academic work and attainment. For example, theology faculty who hold the rank of Ph.D., are more liberal on every social and political issue measured in the survey than those with other academic degree experience. Persons with doctorates in religion, with masters and bachelors of divinity degrees, and so forth. This holds for the entire religion faculty, as well as throughout the various denominational groups. The obvious conclusion is simple. Conservative fundamentalists who run the handful of colleges that fundamentalist students attend must cease requiring the Ph.D. from their faculty members. Indeed, anyone holding the Ph.D. in the humanities must be screened extra carefully to ensure that he is not a liberal. What, in fact, are these colleges doing? Upgrading their faculties by requiring the Ph.D.? The suicide of the evangelicals institutionally is assured. The liberals have convinced them that they must structure their colleges the liberals' way. The academic inferiority complex of American evangelicals is used by the left to capture their schools from Biola College to Wheaton to West, from Westmont to Gordon-Conwell. Even the six-day creationist school, Christian Heritage College, sought and gained accreditation. Jerry Falwell has hired a lawyer to force the accreditors to accredit his Liberty Baptist College. In short, the fundamentalists simply will not learn. They seek certification from those same elitist groups that they say are undermining Western civilization. The very same people who the fundamentalists regard as followers of Satan have set up the accreditation system and the fundamentalist leaders have rushed to submit themselves to them in order to get their certificates of academic acceptability. Who are the most liberal faculty members? Episcopalians who were 78% liberal. Who were the most conservative? The Pentecostals who were 75% conservative. Page 72. Regarding the question of the biblical view of creation, 63% oppose the requirement that it be taught alongside of evolutionism in the public schools. Question 22. 59% of the other group favored it, the tiny splinter groups and independents such as Pentecostals. Regarding the requirement that the public schools set aside time daily for silent prayer, 68% oppose the idea. Question 21. An obvious conclusion is that the two favorite campaigns of the fundamentalist leadership to get prayer back into the public schools and to get six-day creationism into their curricula are doomed. Neither will find support from the theologians and both will encounter overwhelming opposition from the humanist and liberal lawyers. It is unwise to devote any more energy or money 
to these two causes. This is what the fundamentalist leadership will not acknowledge. They would rather tilt at windmills than use the money to set up additional independent Christian schools or at finance six day or to finance six day creation curricula for the existing Christian schools. Antinomianism and liberalism. Another aspect of the survey which is important to discovery of a fact that the is its discovery of a fact that the Christian Reconstructionists have pointed out for many years, namely that those who say that the Bible provides no blueprint for society's institutions tend to hold social views that are similar to those held by non-Christians in the community in general. They simply baptize the prevailing opinions of their non-Christian peers. In academic circles, this means the opinions of the intellectual elite. To the question, do you think the Bible offers a blueprint for the ideal social system or not? 77% said no. Two-thirds of the others, fundamentalist independents, agreed with the liberals on this point. Question 24. Do you see why the others, the intellectual leaders of the fundamentalist movement, are incapable of sustaining a successful challenge theologically or institutionally against the liberals. Do you see why the liberals have captured Christian seminaries and colleges? Do you see why Ronald Sider's book, A Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, received no published criticism until David Chilton wrote Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators? Only because Chilton believes that biblical law is still binding on economics and politics could he refute Sider's liberation theology. The fundamentalists have been social antinomianisms. By rejecting God's law, they have necessarily accepted rule by the prevailing opinions of the day. These opinions are humanistic. For documentation of this assertion, see my essay, The Intellectual Schizophrenia of the New Christian Right, in Christianity and Civilization, number one, published by the Geneva Divinity School, Tyler, Texas. Conclusion. The battle for the mind, some fundamentalists believe, is between fundamentalism and the institutions of the left. This conception of the battle is fundamentally incorrect. The battle for the mind is between the Christian Reconstruction Movement, which alone among Protestant groups takes seriously the law of God, and everyone else. There is no, re, no really serious battle for the mind between fundamentalists who accept accreditation and the liberals who control the accreditation mechanisms. The old-time fundamentalists, by accepting the liberals' view of social antinomianism, that the Bible offers no blueprint for social institutions and therefore no program for Christian reconstruction, have become epistemological humanists in the realm of social theory. The older fundamentalists have also adopted the myth of neutrality in educational theory and social theory. There is no battle for the mind here, only a loud debate between rivals for control of the accreditation committee committees, and curricula development committees. And for three generations, the old fundamentalism has been losing the debate. 
It is a debate which should end with the fundamentalist walking out, leaving the liberals with no fundamentalist institutions to accredit. Christians must stop fighting the battle for the mind by rules that the humanists have rigged in their favor. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.